Well, I stopped riding the bus to uh, school about the same time that probably many of you did. Somewhere in my junior year, as my friends were getting their driver's license, I started to beg rides to school because by the time you you hit that 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 uh, kind of that transition. Um, you know, you don't want to be on the bus with the sophomores and the, and the freshmen anymore. You want to be in a car riding to school. And so uh, I made the transition and I rode with, uh, with one of my friends for most of the rest of my junior year, about partway through. And then my senior year, rode with a friend of mine named Dennis to school who lived not too far from me. And I enjoyed those rides with Dennis to school. We'd talk often and engage uh, in, in different ways, talk about what was going on in our lives. But one thing I did not enjoy about the ride to school with Dennis was that he always had the station on uh, country, he always had the, the radio on a country music station. I know. There are a lot of you saying, wait, wait, you don't like country music? I, I can deal with country music. Um, <laughs> Now I remember, you know, from time to time, I'd pick on, on Dennis about one of the songs and about, the, you know, the, the, silly, uh, the silly things that country music songs would sometimes talk about. One of the songs I do love in country music, by the way, is, uh, is, is a Rascal Flatts song that talks about what happens when you play a country music song backwards. If you never heard that song, you ought to go home and listen to that today. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty good song, and it's uh, entirely true. You get all the stuff back, is, is, the, is the way it works if you play the song backwards. I remember one day we were driving, I remember a song that came on, I think it was in the fall of 95, maybe, maybe even early winter 96, a song came on and as we were listening to the lyrics, we got to the end of this song and I said, okay, now that's a good song, that's a good song. And one thing I do appreciate about country music is it often talks about things that maybe you've experienced in life, things that I've experienced. Country music is often about life, that's what... Uh, the country, country music artists tend to write about or tend to sing about, things that, that happen in life. And I remember the first time I heard the line sang that went something like this, Do you love me? Do you want to be my friend? Remember that song? And if you do, what? Don't be afraid to take me by the hand. That song was called Check Yes or No. And it asked a question that many of us asked, I think, in maybe third, fourth, fifth grade. As we looked across the first time, maybe, and you saw that girl or that boy that you had your first crush on. And maybe you sent a note kind of like this one that said, I I love you or I like you. Do you love me? Do you like me? Do you want to be my friend? And there were two boxes on that note and one said yes and the other said no. I can remember the first note I sent like that was in sixth grade, and it was to a girl called Karina Copeland. And I sent her a note, and it had two boxes on it just like that, check yes or no. And mine just simply asked, do you want to be my girlfriend? I like you. Check yes or no. Now I'm glad to say that I got that note back, and the yes box was checked. But I think it points out something that, that is true about many of us. This song does, and and the way we engaged as we were younger, it points out something that that we go through, that we struggle through, that we work through in life, wanting to know what others think about us. And this may be one of the ways that you tested the waters when you were young. But as we grow older, there are other ways that we test the water, and we wonder what someone thinks of us. Maybe it was the first time you saw the person that would go on to become your spouse and you wondered what they 
would think about you. And you thought, what does he or she think about me? I need to know. I want to know. Or maybe you wonder sometimes what your boss thinks about you. I had a great conversation with uh, one of the members here at the church uh, this week through text. And, and, and he mentioned that his CEO is sometimes hard to read. You know, I think that's true sometimes. I think, I think maybe your boss or my boss or whatever. It can be hard to read and you don't know. And so you wonder, what do they think? What do they really think of me? And so maybe you find gentle ways to probe that every now and then by laying an idea before them and trying to test. What, what do they think about me? Or maybe it's the new neighbor down the road. And you're wondering, what do they think about me? What do they think about my kids? And that's important to us because we do. We care what people think about us. You know, many of us, many of us spend a lot of time preparing ourselves in the morning because we want people to think a certain think of us, a certain way of us. We dress a certain way. We fix our hair a certain way. And we won't leave until it's just right because we care what people think about us and we want them to think good things about us. And I think that's normal. We, we all go through that. We all experience that in life. Let's take this a step further. What about God? Have you ever wondered what God thinks of you? I know I have. There are times in my life where I have wondered what God thinks about me. Where I have thought, wouldn't it be convenient to send God a letter that says, hey God, do you like me? Check yes or no. I'd really like to know because... I know that there are times when I look in the mirror and I, I don't appreciate myself all that much. Or I know what I did yesterday and, and certainly after that I, I don't like myself a whole lot. God, what do you think about me? Or maybe you wonder, does God even think about me at all? I mean, He's got so much going on. He created all this. He set the world spinning. He sustains the world and the universe. All the galaxies, everything we can see, all of those big things, and then God's in the details as well. All the way down to cells and DNA, making sure everything functions just as it should. God, with all that going on, do you have time for me? Do you have time to, to, to spare any thoughts for me at all? Well, Tom read during communion this morning a psalm that we're going to spend some more time in and try to break down this morning. Fortunately, when we ask the question, does God think of me or what does He think about me? Scripture is full of answers letting us know exactly how often God thinks about us. And when He does think about us, what does He think when He sees you and me? Let's read together again from Psalm 139. We'll read verses 1 through 18. Listen to these words, and you may want to just close your eyes and listen as we read. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before me, and you lay your hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become, the light become night around me, even, in dark, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Well, these are words that were written by King David. And King David wrote these words, and I think they were recorded for us so that we could experience what he experienced in the moment that he wrote them. So that we could try to understand his thoughts, so that we could see his words, so that we, we could understand what he understood about the way that God sees us. And I think just as David found himself of awe, in awe, when he examined the way that God thought of him, we can also, we should also find ourselves awestruck and in wonder as we see the way God thinks of us. Well, let's try to answer the first question that we began with, or one of the questions that we began with. I think a good place to start is to, to look at this question, does God even think of me at all? And if we continue the theme that we started with, I think we can easily put a check in the yes box and say, yes, God thinks about us. God thoughts, God's thoughts are on us and for us. And maybe you can say, okay, if I accept that there is a God, then I would accept that He does think about me. And so I can buy into David's words that, yes, God thinks about me. And if you've been following Jesus for years, you probably do accept that as well, that God thinks about me. I get Yes, God thinks about me. And so that piece may not be a struggle for you. But what about this next question when we try to understand what does God think about me? And we're going to dissect Psalm 139 just a little bit and try to take away just a few things when we're trying to answer this question, what does God think about me? Now, David doesn't just come right out and say it, but he does give us a number of clues. So we're going to piece together about five clues as we try to understand what God thinks about us when he does think about us. The first is this, God searches for us. God doesn't just search for us, He searches us as well. David begins with that when he says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. 
God searches us out. And when He finds us, He searches us as well. It's pretty cool to think about. It's also a little bit scary at times as well to know that God is searching for us and then God is searching us. The second thing we pick up is this. That God cares about the details. Again, I want you to piece these together as clues as we try to understand what does God think about us. God cares about the details. God knows small things about us. Like when we sit down. God knows when we stand up. God knows when the lights go dim and come back on. (laughs) Pretty cool. God knows when we go somewhere, when we go out. God knows when you lie down at night, and this is what David, what leads David to exclaim, you're familiar with all my ways. All these little details, all the small stuff, God. I stand up, you know about it. I sit down, you know about it. I go somewhere, you know about it. I lie down to sleep, you know about it. Everything, God, you know. You're in the details. You searched me and you know me, God. So God searches for us. He searches us out. He cares about the details. And then let's take this a step further. David says God doesn't just know our actions, He also knows our thoughts. So it's not just when we sit down or stand up or go out or lie down all our ways. God doesn't just know all our ways. He doesn't just know all our actions. He also knows our thoughts. Think about that just for a second. God knows your thoughts. There are times when that's incredibly comforting to me because I know that sometimes my actions may not actually reflect my heart, the goodness of my heart. That's true. And I believe it's true about you as well. There are times when it's frightening to me to know that God knows my thoughts. Because there are times when my, the goodness of my actions does not actually reflect the darkness in my heart. I think both of those are simultaneously true. And God doesn't just know our actions, what we do. He also knows what we think. The motives behind those actions. The motives behind our inaction at times as well. God knows all of that down to the minute detail. The next. God was thinking about us before we had the ability to think about Him. Verse 13 again, listen to these words. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days... All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. So David says, before before I was able to form thoughts about you, before I had any knowledge of you, God, your thoughts were on me. 
Your thoughts were there for me as you were creating me and forming me and knitting me together, David says. And then the last thing that we'll learn here is that we can't count the number of his thoughts. And within this context, most scholars agree that it's not just all the thoughts that God has. David is actually saying, we can't count the number of your thoughts for us. We cannot count the times that you think about us. Or David, make that just very personal, one person. David is saying, if I were to try to count the number of your thoughts, the thoughts that you have about me, the times that you pause and think about me, I wouldn't be able to count them. They'd be like grains of sand. We couldn't count them. There would be no way to do it. That's how often God is thinking about us. And it may lead us, all of these things may lead us to the conclusion, as I think it led David to the conclusion in many ways, that if that's the way God thinks about me, I must be incredibly precious to Him. If God cares about the details, if, if He searches for me, if He searches me out, if He knows my actions, He knows my thoughts, if all of that is true, if He was thinking about me before I was even born and had the ability to think about Him, if His thoughts outnumber the grains of sand on the earth, if all of that is true, then I must be precious to Him. I think that's the way David felt. In fact, we can see that David is rejoicing over the, the, the fact that God thinks about him, how often he thinks about him, and also what he thinks about him. It causes David to rejoice. All of that causes David to rejoice. But then if you're like me, and in our more honest moments, we may wonder this, if that's the way God thinks about me, I wonder if He does like me. If He's always examining my thoughts. I used to have a professor that said, and he was a psychology professor, so it makes it very apt. But he used to say, if you could get in my mind, you'd pay to get out. <laughs> you would pay to get out right away. You would not want to know what's going on inside of me. You would not want to know my thoughts. And I remember the first time he said that, and I thought, yeah, me too. Me too. And in fact, if you got in my mind, I'd pay you to get out because I don't want you to know what's going on inside of here. But God does. And I do. And so if that's true, if God knows what's going on inside of here, and if God knows all of my ways, if God knows all that, the good and, and the bad, what does he really think about me? We're going to spend just a little bit of time in one more passage as we try to conclude or try to find an answer to that. From John chapter 15, and you've seen one of these verses already. Jesus is talking with his disciples. He's preparing them for the fact that he's about to be leaving. That's what a good portion of John 14 is about. I've been here with you guys. I've been, I've been with you for probably close to three years, but, but that our time together on earth is drawing to an end. And here are some things I really want you to know. And Jesus says this, beginning in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, 
so I have loved you. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Okay, keep my commands, right? If you keep my commands... So what is His command? He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now listen, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. I think what Jesus says to his disciples is it was true for them. I think it's true for us as well. Jesus is asking us to follow his commands. What are his commands? To love each other. To love each other as he's loved us. And then the promise in that is if we follow that command... He considers us. He counts us friends. In fact, He says, I count you so close that when I see you as a friend, I'll I'll go and lay down my life for you. That is what I think about you. Then toward the end of this passage, Jesus says something that we know about friends. A truth that we know to be right and correct about friends. You choose your friends. I remember the first time my mom told me, you can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friends. No, that, my mom never said that to me. That was, uh, that was one of my friends that said that to me. What my mom said is, listen, be very careful about the friends you choose. We choose, we pick our friends. You choose your friends. And when Jesus wants to let us know exactly what He thinks of us, He calls us friends. And He doesn't leave out the fact that He chose us in that as well. Which is absolutely amazing to think about. Jesus knows us. God knows you. He searched you. He knows your actions. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. And through all of that, beyond all of that, in spite of all of that, He chose you. And so if we were to send God a letter like this, do you love me? Do you want to be my friend? There can't be any doubt as to which box He would check. I want to close this morning by reading something that's, I think, similar to something you may have read before. It's a really beautiful collection of scriptures showing what God thinks about us, forming almost a letter from God to us. And quite a few have sat down to, to try to do this. This particular one is written by a guy named John Reinhardt. And I want you to know that almost every word I'm going to read to you in the next couple of minutes comes directly from the pages of Scripture. 
This is not John saying, let me fill, let me write a letter and put some of God's words in it. These are God's words just collected, making a letter, writing a letter to us. Listen to what this letter says. I am the Creator. You are my creation. I breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. I created you in my own image. My eyes saw your unformed substance. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know the hairs on your head, and before a word is on your tongue, I know it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are more valuable than many sparrows. I have given you dominion over all sheep and oxen and beasts of the field and birds of the heavens and fish of the sea. I have crowned you with glory and honor as the pinnacle and final act of the six days of creation. However, from the very beginning you exchanged the truth about me for a lie. You worshipped and served created things rather than me. You have sinned and fallen short of my glory. Just as I said to Adam and Eve, the penalty for your sin is death. And in your sin you were spiritually dead. You were children of wrath, living as enemies to me. You turned aside from me. You became corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. What you deserve is my righteous judgment. And yet, in my great love, I gave my unique Son that all who believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. While you were still hostile toward me, you were reconciled to me by the death of my Son. Sin does not have the last word. No, grace does. Now everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. You have believed or born again. I have adopted you. You are children, heirs of God. You are no longer orphans. You belong to me. I love you as a perfect father. In my eyes, you are a brand new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Sin is no longer your master. For you have died to sin and are now alive to me. You are finally free from the slavery of sin and death. There is now no condemnation for you. All your sins are forgiven. All your unrighteousness has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You are righteous in my sight with the very righteousness of my own perfect Son. You've been saved by grace. You've been justified by faith. You are utterly secure in Me. Nothing will be able to separate you from My love in Christ Jesus. No one is able to snatch you out of My hand and I will never leave or forsake you. You not only have a new father, but now you have a new family as well, brothers and sisters. You are part of the people of God, and together the life you now live is by faith in my Son. Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Him. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. Christ is in you by my Spirit, and you are in Christ. Stay close to Jesus. Abide in Him, for your life is found in Him. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Don't live by your own power or understanding. No, live by My Spirit within you. 
Remember, I have given you the Holy Spirit to be with you and in you. The Spirit will guide you into all truth, help you to obey me, and empower you to do my work. As you seek me and see more of my glory, I am transforming you into the image of my Son. One day you will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet sound, when Jesus appears, you will be just like Him because you shall see Him as He is. You will be delivered from your body of death through Jesus Christ and your dwelling place will be with Me. And I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. You will drink from the spring of water of life without payment, and I will myself will make a place for you to feast of rich food and well-aged wine. You will enter my rest, inherit the kingdom I have prepared for you, and step into the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. But most of all, you will see my face and be with me where I am. Therefore, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. You are no longer in darkness, but light in my Son. Walk as children of light. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill. I have called you. I have chosen you. You are now a saint, a servant, a steward, and a soldier. You are a witness and a worker. Through Jesus, you are victorious. You have a glorious future. You are a citizen of heaven. You are an ambassador for my Son. I love that and it's powerful. And every word comes from Scripture. These are the assurances about what God thinks about us. As His thoughts are on us. Perhaps we should have one more slide with one last box. And maybe it should be actually our chance to respond to God's letter to us. And maybe the question would be very similar. Do you love me? God would ask. Do you want to be my friend? Check yes or no. Let's pray together as we close. God, I know that there are many here who, like me, are amazed at the fact that You love us in spite of ourselves. That You choose us. That You call us friends. That You want to redeem us. That that when You purchase us from death into life, You no longer see us, but You see Jesus, His righteousness in our place. God, thank You that Your thoughts are always on us because it's Your thoughts for us that have compelled You into love for us. God, I pray for this body of believers that we would love You in return. That we would say yes to the invitation to friendship with You. Jesus, thank You for choosing us. Thank You for choosing us. We rejoice in this knowledge. Let us live a life that reflects our understanding of the fact that we are now Your friends. No longer Your enemies, but Your friends. 
Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name.